Hey, what's up, everyone? You are on the Eden Podcast, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope that the next 30 minutes will help you to become the person that God always dreamed you could be. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? I want to welcome all of you joining us online this morning. It is so good to see you. Again, I can't see you, but you can see me, and I'm glad that you're here with us on this Sunday. Special shout out to the Eden family. Uh, cannot wait to see you, but I'm so thankful that we get to do this. But also a special, special shout out to those of you who are joining us for the very first time at our Church at Home experience. We are so grateful that you're here with us today, that you've stepped into this space. Uh, we're, we're celebrating that moment. Uh, my name is Daniel. I'm part of the team here, but I'm also the lead pastor and we are all about helping people become all that God dreamed they could be. Because at the end of the day, what we want for you is what God wants for you. And he wants you to live a purposeful, meaningful life. And so everything we do is to help you take steps toward that. Today, we're picking up in a series that we started a few weeks ago called Changes. Because all of us are experiencing so many changes right now. And I think sometimes when you're living in a time where there's a lot of changes or a season of life, where a lot of things about your life are changing, our reaction question that we ask is, how do I survive this moment? But what we've been doing in this series is asking a different set of questions because we really believe that if you ask a different set of questions, you're probably going to get a different kind of outcome. And so instead of asking, how do we survive? We've been asking, how do we thrive in this moment? How do we become better during this time than when we came into this time? How do we allow for the changes that we can't control to change us in the areas that we can control? And really the big question that we've been asking is how can we learn to thrive in our new normal? And when we talk about thriving during this time, we are not talking about gaining more, getting more, having more, doing more. When we talk about thriving, we are talking about becoming more, about becoming more of who God created us to be during this time. And so today we're going to talk about the benefit of stepping out of the old and into the new. I have a lot of really fond memories of my childhood, and some of my favorite memories have to do with like old cars. My dad, when I was growing up, would buy these old junker beater cars, fix them up, and then he would sell them. And a little while back, I started thinking, what if I did that, right? I want to get back to my roots. What if I had the same skill set that my dad had? And so I started looking around on the internet and on Facebook and on Craigslist, and I found this old beater VW bus. It was a 1978 VW bus, and I bought the car. It barely ran, and I remember that first day I bought it. I had like my stick shift, and I was going in and out, and just the feeling of the clutch and the smell of the car was just amazing. It was this sunny day. There was a light breeze blowing. I rolled down the windows, let all the air in. It was amazing. It was amazing. Amazing experience. But it wasn't long after this experience that I was reminded of why I hadn't bought an old car for the last 15 years, right? It was, it was this moment that I was reminded of why I stepped out of old cars and started buying newer cars. Because just a few days, maybe a week or so after I bought the VW bus, almost any time I took it out, it literally left me stranded on the side of the road. I was stranded on the side of the road if I wanted to go run an errand or if I was dropping my kids off at school. You would see me walking down the road with like this, this portable battery charger. And, and it reminded me of like why I didn't buy old cars. It reminded me of all the times growing up that my old cars left me stranded on the side of the road. 
Isn't it funny how it's so easy for us to romanticize the past? And the problem with romanticizing the past is it causes us to overvalue the past and undervalue the present. And it makes us long for an old normal that wasn't actually reality. And I think maybe you've heard this in some of the conversations that you've been in, but a lot of people in our world today are just talking about like how much they want to go back to the old normal. But I wonder if we were being really honest with us, how many of us are longing to go back to the things in the past that in the past we were praying would be different in the future? But what if this was the perfect moment to make the changes in areas of our lives that have needed change for a long time? Today we're going to talk about the benefits of stepping out of the old and into the new. To do that, we're going to pick up where we left off last week in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is in the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible. And it's the part of the Bible that talks about the life of Jesus and the expansion of the early church. And the story of the church really begins where Jesus' ministry ends. And so we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, but Jesus' ministry kind of ends right around the Easter story, right? He dies on the cross. He's raised again, conquers the grave. It was like this amazing movement for his followers. It was the greatest comeback of all time, and they're all celebrating and excited. But Jesus comes to them again shortly after that moment, and he says, hey, you guys, things are not going back to the way that they were. Things are not going back to the old normal. He says, I'm leaving again, and I'm putting you in charge to carry out the mission of God here on earth. And what he was telling them is he was saying, I'm not abandoning you. You're not alone in this, but I am going to empower you to carry out the vision. And he promised them that at some point in the near future, they were going to receive the Holy Spirit. And it was through the Holy Spirit that would give them the power to become all that God created them to be and to fulfill the mission of God here on earth. And so this is where we pick up this morning in Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of about half a mile. And when they returned, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, not to be confused with Judas of Iscariot. And it says, they all met together and were continually united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So this is really just after Jesus ascends and the angels come to help kind of give context to the moment. And the remaining apostles go back to the place that they were staying, which wasn't far from where they were. And it says that they were united in prayer with one another. It's really interesting how catastrophic moments in our life have a way of bringing us with each other and bringing us closer to God. And that's sort of what's happening right now for the apostles. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and he dressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. And it really seems like in this moment, we are looking at a brand new Peter. Where in the past, if you would have looked at Peter's life during Jesus' ministry, he was kind of chaotic. I mean, in one moment, Jesus would ask like these deeply profound questions, and Peter would give an equally profound response. 
But there were other moments in Peter's life where he lacked such character in the way that he operated. He was unable to like fulfill the things that he said he was going to do. But right here in this moment, it seems like Peter has this clarity and perspective that he's never had before. Like he's really starting to connect the pieces. Like he's understanding Jesus' role in God's greater story. But he's also seeing that in light of the unique roles that some of the apostles were playing in the prophecy. And he noticed that Judas was sort of the fulfillment of a prophecy that was made about how Jesus was going to be betrayed. And so it's becoming really, really clear to Peter. And we're seeing that in his leadership. Verse 20, it says, Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus from the time that he was baptized by John until the day that he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. And so the first prophecy that Peter recognized was about how Jesus would be betrayed. But the second prophecy that he recognizes is about how they're supposed to move forward after this moment. Verse 23, it says, So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you've chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. So they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. So there were these two potential candidates. You have Barsabbas and you have Matthias. And it says that they casted lots in the ancient world. This was one of the ways how they determined God's will for a decision. And so it was typically throwing stones with certain markings on it or pulling sticks at different lengths. And there was someone there to interpret the results. And in this case, Matthias became the 12th apostle. Now, I don't want us to lose sight of the significance of this moment because for the apostles right now, this moment symbolized them stepping out of the old and into the new. And so this morning, I want to talk about the benefit of stepping out of the old and into the new. Because if you're like me, what you're probably realizing is that it is a great idea. It sounds like an amazing concept. It sounds like you're moving from pain to progress. It's wonderful. But what you're probably realizing is that it's a lot easier to think than it is to do. And part of why that is is because there are a lot of us who feel like we've been forced out of an old normal that we were very comfortable in and into a new normal that we really don't know what to expect. And so it's hard for us when we've been forced into a new place to begin to recognize the benefits of what that change can be for our life. And so this morning, we're going to talk about some of the benefits of stepping out of the old and into the new. The first is that it changes the nature of our faith. And we see that it does this with the apostles because the first thing that the apostles do after Jesus ascends and leaves is they literally start like this movement of prayer. They know that prayer, without prayer, without God stepping into this moment, what they're being asked to do is impossible. But if you were to have looked at their life just a few weeks earlier, just before Jesus was about to be arrested, you would see that there is this huge distinction between where they are now and where they were then. It was during that time, right before Jesus was going to be arrested, that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he literally kept going back to his apostles, asking them to pray for him, to pray for this moment. 
because he was under the weight of so much pressure. It literally says that he was sweating blood. And in the moment when Jesus needed these guys the most, not to do anything uniquely heroic, but just to pray, these guys kept falling asleep. Now, we're not judging any of them because all of us have maybe dozed off during a prayer or two, or maybe we've been distracted during prayer. But it just shows you the difference between where they were, unable to pray when Jesus needed them most, and to praying now being their first response in the middle of a crisis. There's something that changed in them. And what I've noticed in my life, and maybe you've noticed this too, is that it is in the moment of a crisis that our faith has the opportunity to change the most. And what I realize is that people typically respond one of two ways. You will either run toward God in a crisis or you will run from God in a crisis. And a lot of times people who are running from God are running from him because they are frustrated by the circumstance that God has allowed and they don't understand why it's happening and they're frustrated with God about it. Or maybe they're just angry because everything they were hoping would be true of their life during this time or a particular time is not true. And so there's frustration in those moments and, and we may run from God, distance ourselves from God. But there are other people who in the middle of the crisis realize how incapable they are of controlling the circumstance and they run to God. I think that it's in these moments that we really have a chance to allow for God to change our faith. I love the prayer of King David in Psalm chapter 51, verse 10. He's in the middle of a crisis, and this is what he says. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David was leveraging this crisis in his life so that God could do something new in his heart. It says, Renew a right spirit within me. I think it is what happens on the back end of a crisis that really exposes to us what our faith was built upon. And, and there's a chance for us in these moments to either run toward God or to run from Him. And I think that there are some of us who are frustrated and we think that God can't deal with our frustration. But I want to encourage you that in your frustration, begin to pray those frustrations to God. Believe that God is strong enough to use your anger and your frustration and your fear to create greater intimacy with him. That God can handle your honest prayers. God can handle your fears about the future. And for those of you who right now are wondering, well, how do I even lean into God? How do I run toward God in this moment? Some really practical ways are by, one, reading scripture and prayer. One of the most valuable things that you can do when you feel like you're in a dark season of life is to begin to fill your heart that feels dark with the light of God's truth. The Bible calls it a lamp unto our feet. That like when we put God's word into our minds and into our heart, it gives us clarity about the direction of our life. It gives us clarity in moments that seem dark and confusing and foggy. That's what it was meant to do. But also prayer. Maybe for you right now, you feel like you don't have a lot of people to talk to. But I want you to know that God is with you right now, ready to listen to any request that you have. Whether it is thanking God for the moment that you're in, because you're beginning to realize things about your life that you've never seen before, or because you need to air out some frustration and be honest with God about how you feel. 
All of this will help you to lean into God in the middle of a crisis. The second thing that we see as a benefit of stepping out of the old and into the new is that oftentimes this process changes our outlook on relationships. And it absolutely did that for the apostles in this moment. Because it says immediately after Jesus ascends that they came together in prayer, but it uses this really powerful word. It says that they were united in prayer. Don't you feel like sometimes we are living in such an extremely divisive world? You go on social media, you hear people tearing each other down, tearing down ideologies, not just the ideas, but the people that they're attached to. And it seems so vicious sometimes. Well, when you look at the life of the apostles during Jesus' ministry, they were not free of conflict in their group. A lot of times there was over, uh, an over sense of competition with one another. They were always trying to get closer to Jesus. They were always trying to one-up each other. They were bickering back and forth. But after this crisis moment in their life, after they've stepped out of the old and into the new, you notice that there is this renewed sense of unity among the leaders of Jesus' moment. It says that they were united. And this word is so important to Jesus. Look at what it says in John chapter 13, verse 35. He says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus said, If you want other people to know that you're connected to me, you may not have to tell them as much as you have to show them that your love for one another will prove to the world that you are part of me, that you are like me, that you are my disciple. I think that one of the things that this does for us in this season of shelter in place is it really creates a sense of gratitude for the relationships that we have in our life. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've experienced this over the last few weeks. I have become more grateful for the relationships that I have right now. The other day, my wife was going into the grocery store and she had not done most of the shopping for the first few weeks of shelter in place. And so this was like her first time really going out. And I remember she came back so excited after the experience because she was like, Dan, guess what? I saw our favorite cashier at the grocery store and it was so good to see her. Or I saw, she said, I went to the pharmacy and I saw the lady who always does our prescriptions and it was so, so good to see her. It's so funny how these moments have a way of changing the value that we place on our relationships. And I think that is something that's a great opportunity. It's such a benefit. That even though what we're going through is challenging, it's reminding us of the beauty of our life and the relationships that we have, the things that matter most. The third benefit to stepping out of the old and into the new is that it's a chance to change everything else. We know that Jesus assembled like this amazing team of leaders and these apostles. He saw something unique in each of them. But there was just one problem, and the problem's name was Judas. Like Judas had caused a lot of issues for this entire team. And one of the things about Judas is that he was probably the type of guy who was always complaining about what they were doing. He was always trying to shut down like new ideas for ministry. And he was kind of the guy who was always singing off key in the chorus because it wasn't his song. He was always trying to burn down the forest, right? In the words of Demi Lovato. I'm just kidding. I know it's, it's not Demi Lovato. Don't worry about it. But Judas was like always like this naysayer and it was just as if he had like this ulterior motive throughout the entire ministry. 
And it was sad because Judas was one of the team. Like he was part of the deep conversations that they were having around the campfire, the moments that maybe these guys were sharing some really personal stuff. And so Judas, Judas knew them well. And when Judas betrayed them, it cut them so deep. You can remember like the last time you felt betrayed by someone that was close to you. You remember that pain. You remember how hard it was to get over that. How often you thought about the betrayal when you went to bed at night or as you were driving in the car or anytime you had free space in your mind, like that betrayal felt so painful and it felt so, so fresh. This is what the apostles were going through. Like they were betrayed by one of their own. And it wasn't like betrayal where you get your feelings hurt. Someone died as a result of it. And right now in this moment, they were being challenged to step out of that old pain and to step into the new potential that they had in the future, into their new normal. And they had to take this courageous step to replace Judas with someone else. But what they were learning in this moment is this principle of addition by subtraction or by the principle of gaining by losing, that even though they lost someone who was part of their team, in the process they had gained something so much better, someone who had been faithful, someone who didn't have all these ulterior motives. I love the way that the author of Hebrews describes it. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And he says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. What he's saying is let go of everything in your life that has been holding you back. And I really think that this was an opportunity for the apostles to do that. And I think we have the same opportunity before us today. That there are so many of us that keep looking back to the old normal, talking about how much we wish we could go back. But if we're being honest with ourselves, there were so many things about the old normal that we were wanting to change back then. And now we have the opportunity to make those changes. And the saddest thing for us would be to take the things we wanted from our past to change, and to bring them into our future, to make them part of our new normal. Because right now what we have a chance to do is to let those things go. We have a chance to let go of the addiction. We have a chance to let go of all these bad habits that we were hoping would change. We have a chance to let go of toxic relationships. We have a chance to step into like this new direction, this fresh perspective in our life. I think sometimes we hang on to the old normal because it's familiar. I think about a kid who had a blankie as they were a baby, but have hung on to it and used it into adulthood. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you think about it, it's interesting because something that served a purpose at one point in their life, right? Like as a baby, it kept them warm. Over time, no longer served that purpose and the only reason why you hang on to it is because it's familiar, not because it's actually useful. And I think that's what a lot of us are doing with longing for the past, is that we're longing for something that is familiar because what it means for us to step into the future is that it's going to require us to have faith 
And sometimes faith can be scary. Sometimes faith can be overwhelming. It can be challenging. And for many of us, it's easier just to be with something that's familiar. I want to encourage you today to not let this moment pass you by. I know it is not easy. I know that it has been so hard for so many of us, but I don't want to lose sight of the potential that we have to make some changes that we've been wanting to make for a very long time. To exercise our faith right now. To take steps to becoming more of who God created us to be. I don't know what that is for you in your life. Maybe job, maybe family, maybe relationships, maybe the way that you view yourself. It may be your perspective on the world. And I think for even some of us, it may be this idea of stepping into faith for the very first time. I know that there are some of you that are listening to this right now that have never begun a relationship with Jesus, but all of what's been happening in our world has made you open to the thought of connecting with God for the very first time. And if that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to exercise faith for the first time by beginning a relationship with God. And if that's you, I want to give you a really easy way to onboard in your faith. And that is just through a simple prayer. What we always say is that no matter how far you feel like you've been from God, you were just one prayer away. One prayer away from just asking God to be a part of your life, to come into your life and to begin following him. And so if that's where you're at this morning, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer that you can pray in your heart no matter where you're at. Maybe you're in your home or your kitchen, the living room, you're in a car, out somewhere, friend's house, maybe. I don't know where you're at. But wherever you are, you can pray this prayer to begin the relationship with God. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and to bow your head and to pray this with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me enough to die for me, to send your son to a world where he would be rejected, beaten, crucified. God, you did that for me because you loved me that much. God, today I want to receive the gift that you offer when we trust in Jesus as our Savior. I know I can't do this on my own. I've tried. I've tried everything else, and I'm tired. But right now, God, I want to trust in you. I want to be filled with your Spirit. I want to receive new life I want to step out of the old and into the new. God, thank you for loving me, for saving me, and for giving me hope. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.